This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. Hello, I'm Adam. And I'm Nick. And welcome to episode 31 of the Fight Disciples podcast. This one's dedicated to boxing. It's dedicated to Liam Smith's escapades in Dallas, hence the title, The Dallas Cowboys. Now, before we have a look back at Brooke Golovkin over the weekend. I think it's only fair that we just give a little bit of a mention to our social media sites that are currently available for you to enjoy daily content. We do the weekly podcast, but there's daily stuff up there uh, for you to go and have a nosy. So you can go to our website, fightdisciples.com. There's blogs on there from me and him just talking nonsense about various things that we enjoy in the fight game. Uh, there's memes and various things like that on our Facebook account, which you can go to at Fight Disciples uh, on Facebook and at Fight Disciples on Twitter. Keep up to date with all those because with the new season kicking off, uh, there will be more competitions coming your way. You may remember last season we were giving away tickets and signed gloves and all that type of stuff. Uh, well, we've got some stuff coming up in the upcoming weeks. We don't want you to miss out on them. So make sure you follow us on social media, in particular the Facebook page at Fight Disciples. Go and check us out. Like the page, give us a thumbs up and then you're part of the community. Simple as that. Uh, now then... This is uh, the start of the show where Nick does the I told you so bit about the uh, Kel Brook <laughs> fight, yeah. Obviously, everybody knows that I love the British fighters. I'll back them to the hill and I get romantic about their prospects in a fight. I still believe that he could have gone on to win it. However, to be fair, mate, last week, to call it that the co- that the corner will pull him out of the fight on last week's show, fair play, man. You must you you must be doing the lottery numbers for me this week because you, you're so into the future. <laughs> I was around, though I did say six to eight, I think, and it was the fifth when he pulled them out. But, uh, You're being pedantic now. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I, I, you know, I think I kind of, we kind of seen how it was going to go. You, you, you bang on, I thought Kel started great. And there was elements of the fight where you thought, if Kel was a bit bigger, if he was a bit stronger, if he had a bit more weight behind his punches, perhaps if he was obviously a natural middleweight, Stylistically, he probably had, you know, he looked like he could have had the beating of Golovkin. He had the tactics, didn't he? He sure did. The tactics looked absolutely spot on. And if if a bigger guy can use those same tactics against Golovkin, you know, if I was Billy Joe Saunders' camp now, whether that fight happens or not, if I was their camp, I'd be like, well, we've kind of seen a bit of a blueprint. We've just got to be big enough and strong enough to actually see it through. Difficult to do though, isn't it? For 12 rounds to do that because he is constantly coming forward. Yeah. You've got to be doing the exact same thing to him. Yeah, I'll make no mistake. You know, I'm not saying for a second I think Billy Joe Saunders beats Golovkin, far from it. Um, what I am saying is it's just a shame that Kel wasn't a bit bigger and wasn't a bit more competitive in that regard. Don't get me wrong, you know, throw Triple G in tomorrow with a light heavyweight and the light heavyweight used the same tactics as what Kel Brook used. Well, I guarantee Triple G doesn't use the same tactics. You know mm, what I mean? Because yeah. all he did is he just walked Kel down, did he? Let's be honest. He didn't really have to focus on his head movement. He knew he could take Kel's biggest shots. As he said himself after the fight, power didn't phase me. The guy's yeah. not a middleweight. He's not a middleweight. So you would say a completely different Golovkin. So it's you know it's, you've got to be careful what you're saying, stuff like that, in terms of this tactic would work. But... If Kel was that bit bigger, you know, would he have would he have gone a bit longer? I think so. What did you think of the stoppage, Adam? I thought it would bang on. I thought Dominic Ingle got it absolutely nailed, mate. Because at that point in that round, and you know, I love Kel Brook, and I thought that he he was in it up until that particular round. He became a bit of a punching bag, and he was taking too much, especially to the head, mate. He was getting absolutely blasted. Dominic Ingle, first and foremost, 
his priorities to protect his fighter. I was absolutely disgusted that some of them casuals that were in the O2 were booing. Absolutely yeah, disgusted. End of the day, he saved his fighter. He fight, his fighter fights another day, and he gets even a, probably a bigger payday a year from now if we can make the Amir Khan fight. Yeah. You know, he, I thought he would bang on uh, Dominic Ingle, and uh, I was disgusted that people booed him. I was disgusted that people were booing Golovkin. This is the casual fan. I know that it's good, right, to attract the casual fan, yeah. the man on the street, to these events. But what, when I see the casual fan at the end not appreciating greatness, it annoys me. Because let's be honest, I know, but Golovkin was the nuts. He was he was brilliant, wasn't he? He was, but you kind of, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? You kind of dialing up the type. You you yeah, well, you ring fencing a group of people as casual fans. When what you really should be saying is, it wasn't the general casual fan populace. It was the wanker. The, the, the fake tan wearer. You know, exactly. The celebrity wannabe. Absolute cock rat populace <laughs> that goes to the fight, gets absolutely shit-faced, doesn't watch any of the boxing, hmm. then goes out for the main event and shouts shit like, fucking hit him, lad! Hit him, lad! Throw a right hand, lad! And, and you haven't got a clue. They've never hit a pad in their lives. So hmm. I, I, Not even know, that. Just You don't have to have hit a pad. Just to just generally just be into generally it. Just generally be a fan. Yeah, exactly. And these are guys... You know, if, if, if you were one of those guys that was at the O2 at the weekend and you were booing... Golovkin and you were booing Ingle's action to pull Kell Brook out after the five rounds that you got. You know, let's be honest, they were they were five good rounds, weren't they? It was entertainment. Mm. It was to be honest, it was be- it was the best I think we could have hoped for. Kell looked didn't look completely out of his depth at one stage. Yes, he got hit by a shot potentially in the second round. Yes, he eventually got walked down like we kind of guessed he would. But until that point, he proved exactly why he's one of the best welterweights on the planet and mm. potentially. Why we should see a fight with Amir Khan. That's the big fight now. And as we said on the show last week, this fight with Golovkin, in Kel's heart of hearts, I don't think he ever thought he was going to win that fight. I don't think Dingles ever thought he'd win that fight. I don't even think Eddie Hearn thought he was going to win that fight. But what it does is it unlocks doors for him. He's now a bigger name worldwide because people know he'd put in a performance, a welterweight put in a performance, a performance better than most of the middleweights Golovkin has mm. faced, let's not forget. With that though, be- be- because previous to this, Everybody at 147, where he is the world champion, the IBF world champion, people have been running away from him. Now, if I was at that weight now, I'd be looking at that thinking, I don't want to fight him. He's nuts. He's, you know what I mean? He's, he's the real deal. So he's gonna, I think he's going to struggle even more to get a fight at 147. It's yeah. got to be at 154, hasn't it, if he comes down from 160? I don't see the point of him going back to 147. Mm. Why go back? You know, he couldn't get anyone, he couldn't really get the big fights out there when he was there last time anyway. So why would he, why would he even think about it now? I think he's got to go back to like middleweight. Super welterweight. That's got to be Kell Brook's future. And I think he kind of commented as much in the aftermath as well. So now I don't think we see him go back down to welterweight anyway. I think the guys are like middleweight now. And, um, you know, the, the Amir Khan fight, surely that's the fight to make now. Surely Amir's got to come out now and go, you know what, that is the fight. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do that fight because that's the fight the country needs. And that's the fight those two need as well. Because the winner goes on to bigger things again. The mm. winner gets another, you know, this matchup of this level. Well, we're talking... Well, in a minute, we're going to be talking about Canelo and Beefy, right? Straight away, immediately, people are saying, well, winner of that. Or even the the loser of that, I don't think, would be a, a bad thing for Kell Brook next time out. But we'll get to that in a minute. I just want to touch upon Triple G, because yeah. he was supreme. He is supreme. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody at his weight level that can really cause him any damage. Now, for me, he's his own worst enemy now. 
because he's he's caused this thing where everybody's running away from him. Even Canelo ran away from him. Canelo's come out and said, "I'll fight him in a year." What? When he's on the dwindle? When you're yeah, exactly. praying that he's he's knackered a little bit? Exactly. No, fight him now, mate. Let's do it now. Let's give the fans what they want. He obviously doesn't want to do that. So Triple G has to move up. He can't stay at 160. He has to go to 168. He's got to go and challenge maybe someone like James DeGale, you know, something like that to really get the mouth watering again to see if he can move up the weights. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right because, you know, you can't wait around for Canelo forever. And as you've just pointed out then, Canelo's running scared for him. And Triple G's not young. You know, he's 34 now, you know, by this time. I think he's 35 in April. So, Potentially got one more fight before he turns 35. And I think that's what the stage where you're kind of like, is this going to be his last big one? Is this going to be his last big one? You know, I think that's what people are waiting for, trying and catch him on the slide, which is what Canelo is coming from. Guy's been a pro for 10 years. You know, he's he's not brand new to the game, even though a lot of casual fans are like, oh, he only really broke through in the last year or two. Yeah, but it's taken him best part of 20 years to get in that position. You know, I think you're right. I think the biggest fight out there for him now, a super middleweight. Um could but he go then, higher? Could he go higher? Could he take on Andre Ward and, and Kovalev? Could he go that high? Well, they've talked about him sparring Kovalev and knocking Kovalev out in sparring as well. So, you know, there's certainly, there's certainly scope for him to go that high. But as we see Mikel Brook, he's not the biggest middleweight out there anyway. Mm. So once he moves up to super middleweight, you know... I'll tell you what I like, Callum by the Smith way. boxed at the weekend. Callum Smith was on that undercard yeah. at the weekend. And I tell you what, Callum Smith versus Golovkin, now that's a fight. That's a fight because Callum Smith... Is Has so much bigger, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I think the thing with James De Gale is obviously I'm a fan of James De Gale, fan of all the British fighters as we both are. James De Gale can stink at times. He can fall asleep in fights. He can carry rounds in fights. Callum Smith doesn't do that. He's got that young enthusiasm and that passion where he just goes in there, guns blazing. I think that's a fantastic fight in that in and around that super middleweight division. Mm. But obviously, they're, you know, they're on kind of tra- different trajectories at the moment. What is the next step for Golovkin? You know, what does he do next? With Canelo completely running scared, with the middleweight division, you know, it's all good and well, Billy Joe making videos in his caravan saying, I'll fight this with the belt over his shoulder. <laughs> and Eubank Jr. coming out and having a go at um, having a go at Dominic Ingle, which I thought, shit house tactic, absolutely. Yeah. You know, Let's look at the history of both him and his father, both of them in fights where men have been very seriously injured. For him to come out and pass comments on throwing the towel in early and being a coward. After two colours after, after, were shown. After then, like, he bottled really this fight. After exactly. he bottled this fight. Really disappointed in Eubank Jr. for coming out there because, you know, there's... His dad said a few daft things over the years, but you know, you kind of he's, he's kind of he's, he's made up for it subsequently. And the way mm. they handled the injury and stuff when when he was fighting, uh, Junior was fighting and stuff, I thought they, they dealt with it really well. But that it showed no class this week. Coming out and have a go at Ingle the way they did, that was completely classless in my regard. I was really disappointed that came out of Eubank Junior's mouth. And to be honest, stop talking, son. You get know, on with that it. Good fucking get on with it. Get in with Golovkin. Get on with it. Stop. Picking and choosing British domestic level fights. Get if you if you world class like you say you are, get in there with Golovkin. The guy, the guy, there was a contract on the table. You didn't sign it, and a welterweight stepped up. You cannot now have a go at that welterweight corner for pulling him out. That's mm. bullshit. Get in there, you coward. <laughs> You're on it tonight. You, right? oh, do you know what? I'm fuming. It's all this rain. I think that you know the rain just doesn't. It gets me back up. It really does. The WBA, by the way, have um, called uh, mandatory. Um, matchup between Golovkin and Daniel Jacobs. Uh, yeah. I think they've got about 120 days to make that fight. If not, then it goes to Perspid. So Daniel Jacobs, good fighter. Of course, he's a good fighter. 
But is he gonna is he gonna cause much problem to Golovkin? I don't think he is, mate. No, I don't think so. The problem is who at that weight is gonna cause Golovkin problems. There's no one that's gonna be a lot bigger than him, a lot stronger than him, a lot more physically imposing than him. You know, you know, a lot, a lot of people probably say Jacobs is the number two in and around that weight class. You know, which is fair enough, but. You know, because the WBA didn't they strip Golovkin of that WBA super title at the weekend, or did they just not? They, they didn't. They sanction, not licensed it. Yeah, with, they didn't sanction Brooke. the fight with Brooke. Is what they right. did. Yeah. So, so that's probably the real reason why they didn't sanction it then, because they want him to fight Daniel Jacobs, and they're now trying to force him to fight Daniel Jacobs next. But you know what, the WBA and all this, Daniel Jacobs is the WBA full middleweight champion. Because Golovkin's the WBA super middleweight. I hate the WBA because they started doing all that super crap. Mm. Really annoys me. So, listen, who at middleweight beats Golovkin now? You know, Nobody. For a performance like that, Nobody. You know, it's, there's no one I can see at all in that whole middleweight lineup that's going to touch him. Nobody. Dominic Wade, no. Lamo, Eubank Jr., you know, put your money where your mouth is. There's just nobody there. Billy Joe. I, I, I hope Billy Joe gets the fight because it's a big fight and I'd love to see Golovkin back in this country. Hopefully they do it yeah, up in the absolutely. Northwest. But, you know, I'll be honest with you, I can't see Billy Joe getting anywhere near Golovkin, you know, so Super Middleweight could be the one to go. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. On to this weekend. Dallas is the destination for uh, one of our own. Well, one of your own, should I say. I've no doubt this is going to be a loving now for the next 10 minutes as we talk <laughs> about Beefy uh, being a Liverpoolian and taking on Canelo uh, for uh, uh, the £154 title. He's putting his WB or belt on the line. Exciting times, this, mate. Exciting times. It's it's very similar to where Kel Brooks found himself at. He's been dominating a particular division. Everybody that he's fought, he's beaten looking for the super fight, looking for the super fight. And with all due respect to everybody at £154, there isn't a superstar, not a proper superstar. There's a lot of talent, the Charlos, Edrisande Lara, all these fighters are bags of talent. And for the purists like us, we'd love to see it. But yeah. for the man on the streets, like, well, who are they? I'm not really that interested. You've chucked Canelo's name into the mix and then all of a sudden, yeah. here is the superstar fight. Canelo stepped down from his normal Canelo weight of £155 <laughs> to £154 to fight for the WBO belt on the Mexican weekend. It doesn't get bigger than this. 50,000, 60,000 people in Dallas at Cowboy Stadium, the AT&T Stadium. This is, this is a coming-of-age fight for our boy. It really is, you know. It's, uh, it, it, it's just such an opportunity for him. It really is. And, you know, we touched on it very briefly last week, but... This is no Kelbrook Triple G situation. This is not Amir Khan fighting Canelo situation. This is one of our guys who's a legit light middleweight. He's a legit super welterweight. World champion. Undefeated. You know, on the in the absolute form of his life. You know, I think he's on an eight, seven or eight knockout run at the moment, Beefy. There's never, ever been a better time for Liam Smith to go out there and do a number on Saul Alvarez and sh- literally shock the world. And this will project Liam, for me, to the very top of the British rankings, right up there, absolutely right to the top for me, because, you know, no one expected this from Beefy. You know, I'm, I'm Liverpool born and bred like the Smith family are. It's a tight community, the boxing community, in and around Merseyside. And, you know, when they were kids coming through, you know, when Paul was an ABA champion, Stephen was on the verge of the England team, 
And Liam was still a schoolboy, and Callum was still in sh- in shorts with a snotty nose. You know, I, I remember them then when they were just babies, and even then it was like, you know, Paul had all this talent, was going to America to fight on the Contender Show and everything else. Stephen was the technician; he was like the accomplished international amateur boxer, like a sword fencer, beautiful to watch. Callum was this like young kid that was everyone was kind of, well, you know, will he go into boxing? Is he going to be serious? You know, he's going to be really tall. He's always been a tall kid. And beef, Beefy in that third position, Beefy was always tough. You know, Beefy was always the worker. He was just the grafter. It was, he was never, people never said, oh, he's got all the talents in the world. He, was he preferred never the one footy, didn't he? He on. preferred footy. He's a great footballer. Mm. Great footballer. And, you know, <laughs> up until he's world champion. And now, and I know between me and you and this microphone, he still likes the game with the lads. You know, he, he plays at a good level, Liam. And he loves I think this is the only fight that he hasn't played two weeks before a fight. He normally Same plays thing. right up, and Joe normally has to do with him, but he normally plays right up. He's given it up for this one. I think he hasn't played for two months. Unbelievable. And it'll be killing him. Mm. It'll be absolutely killing <laughs> That's him. what he'll be desperate to get back awesome. to. He wants to get back to the Sunday league. <laughs> exactly. He absolutely loves it. He loves it. And probably, you know, beefy at hand, obviously now with the success and everything else, but he, he, to, as a kid growing up, he either wanted to be a footballer. He didn't want to be a mm. boxer. But obviously, the whole, the whole family box, they lived over their own from, from Kirkdale ABC, so they were always in there. So, the Rotunda ABC, sorry. Uh, they were always in the Rotunda. So, he grew, he was in there because his brother was in there. But there was a five side football pitch literally across the road from the Rotunda. And he probably spent more time on there when he was a kid. But as age has gone on, and it obviously becomes a full international himself, wins ABA titles himself. Go, but this was not in. Nobody projected this. Nobody sat them down. No, at any stage, nobody said Liam will be world champion. He'll be fighting, you know, one of the best fighters in the world over in America, ahead of Paul, kind of ahead of Stephen, you know, before Callum or whatever. It's and it's testament to what Liam Smith's all about, and that commitment. You know, super fit, super strong, and you know what? Hands down as well. Joe Gallagher's brought him on so much so much he seems to have taken you know the power and the left hook and the movements that Paul's got he's got that ring technician that Stephen's got that ring craft that footwork and then he's mixing it obviously with Callum on a daily basis they're obviously pushing each other if you've got a brother who's a super middleweight contender potentially you know judging by his performance at the weekend you show me a bookie that'll take Callum Smith two weight world champion and give you favourable odds mm. kid's got a superstar future Liam's sparring with him on a regular basis you know that's that's his kind of sparring partner, so I'm I you can't be surprised that Liam has reached this peak that he has. It's but it's completely testament to him, and you know it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. We were talking about it a few months ago. Remember, I was saying that before we knew where it was going. I was saying it's a first for Liverpool. No Liverpool boxer has ever defended a title in Las Vegas. Obviously, no Liverpool boxers defended a title in the ATT Stadium in Texas, in Texas either, but I don't think any Liverpool boxers ever defended a belt, certainly not a world title belt, on, you know, in, in a big show like this in America and stuff, live on TV, pay-per-view and all that. Liam is breaking ground here. So for a city of like mine, which has got such a rich boxing history, for him to be doing that on this stage, it's incredible. Do you think he needs to stop him? Um, quite possibly, because what we're being told is there's going to be sixty thousand Mexicans and about three thousand Scousers in there. That's what we can. That's what. That's what I can kind of gather. So potentially he's going to have to give him. A, he's going to have to drag him into a, a fist fight. But you know what? That's what Liam likes to do. Mm. 
Liam likes it. The styles are very box. similar, aren't they? The, va- oh, the yeah. styles are yeah. very, very similar. This is good. You, there's nobody. There's no Mayweather blueprint here. There's nobody going to be dancing around the ring and then popping uh, shots off. No. This is going to be right, mate. I'll see you in the middle, yeah, and we're just going to blast each other. Let's have a do. Exactly. You'll see a lot. Of, you'll see Liam just literally drive his toes, curl his toes into the canvas and let him have it. You know, Canelo won't have to go looking for Liam Smith. That's a fact. Liam's got a great chin, but not only that, he's a finisher himself, as his last few fights have proven. He's a recognised finisher, a recognised world champion, and he's going to take it to Canelo. You know, he's really going to take it to him. I don't mean like Amir Khan took it to him. I mean like a proper light middleweight is going to take it to Canelo. And so then we'll kind of see how Canelo reacts. You know, Don't get me wrong, Canelo, he's ranked one of the best pound-for-pound pound fighters on the planet for the reason. You know, the guy is absolutely legit. 47, with 47 wins and one defeat. You can't turn your nose up at that. And his only defeat was the Floyd Mayweather loss, obviously. So mm. the guy is 100% completely legit. But what Liam Smith... <laughs> you just mentioned that. He's legit. I, I, he's only 26. He's, he's 26. He's gonna, I know, man. He, he's, if he keeps going, he could get to 100 fights, this fella. That's the Mexican way, isn't it? He start them young, turn them pro in the 15, 16, <laughs> stuff like that. So, you know, but the, the, then, you know, equate that into into what that does on the body though as well you know he's been a pro for 11 years now Canelo you know I'm not saying he's slowing down because he's 26 but you know, after 11 years in the game 11 years at the top of the sport when you've got so much pressure and you're in these big pay-per-view fights all the time at the age of 26 you know at some stage at some stage in your life you, you the love is going to diminish slightly isn't it you're not going to be in, in love with the game as much as what you were early on when you're now, you know, a multi-millionaire, you've headlined your fight, fought for you, Mayweather, you've done all these amazing things. And now, all due respect, you know, you're fighting a guy from Liverpool that's never fought in America before, that American guys are probably going to 100% brush over. You know, there's going to be 60,000 Mexicans in that arena on Saturday night who probably haven't even Googled Liam Smith's name. He probably, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to watch Canelo win the title. That's all they'll be saying. There'll only be 3,000 scousers who even know what Beefy's all about. But Canelo Alvarez will know what Beefy's all about once the bell goes. And if for any reason whatsoever, I'm not saying he has, but for any reason whatsoever, Canelo Alvarez is looking past Beefy Smith. Tell you what, he's going to be in for a hell of a shock on Saturday night. And that's what that's what the country's hoping for, isn't it? That's what we're hoping for. We're hoping Canelo turns up and isn't at 100%. And obviously, I guarantee Beefy will be at 100%. And we hope that that's going to be enough on the night. What's your gut say? Beefy. Does he really? Yeah, man. He's going to take it to him. I just think he's going to drag him into the trenches. It's going to be arseholes and elbows, dirty boxing, horrible. You know, I think Beefy might even take a knee at one point after pick himself up off the canvas. But I think he's going to get down and dirty round to the wire. And uh, I think he could get a split decision. You know, if Tyson Fury can get a decision over Klitschko over in Germany, then I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that Liam Smith can get a decision in Texas as well. I think it's going to be a bloody war. It's going to suit Beefy down to the ground. And it's just going to be... You know, it's going to be ugly, but engrossing, and just a, a, a just a rocky film. I honestly, I think it's going to be a rocky film. Well, Can't let's get me. the thoughts of Steve Lillis. He's out in Dallas at this moment in time, working for Box Nation. How are you, mate? You good? Is it treating you well? It's treating me very, very well, Adam. Thank you, as always. Well, whenever I go away from home for a few days, it always treats me well. I've got peace and quiet. From the kids. <laughs> <laughs> a few days. You're out there for a week, mate. This is brilliant because... Know, eight days. <laughs> mate, so many people are talking about this, especially this month for British boxing. We saw it the weekend with Kel and 
and Golovkin. And then we move on to this one. It's like it's coming thick and fast now. This is an absolute yeah. barnstormer at the weekend. Fantastic fight. And you know what? I'm not here saying Liam Swift is going to romp home. He's got a great chance. He's got a good chance of causing an upset here. He's a very, very unsung fighter. You know, and you can see why he's being written off in America because they haven't really heard of him. You know, the, the only sort of semi-name American he's beaten is John Thompson. And it, yeah, out in this part of the world, Canelo is um, a god in Texas in this area because mm. of the, the huge Mexican population. He can do no wrong. So are they thinking that this is a bit of a walkover? Obviously, it's a Mexican holiday. People are just coming out for a bit of a celebration to watch Canelo become the uh, uh, light middleweight champion of the world? I think the fans are. I think, you know, it's because he's got such a good record against British fighters. He saw off Manchester's Matthew Hatton. Mm. He beat Ke- he beat Ryan Rhodes and, of course, Amir Khan most famously last May. So his fans do. But, you know what, I think Canelo and his team are the, are the ultimate professionals. They wouldn't overlook anybody. But in the same sense, he won't be going into the ring here on Saturday night at the AT&T Stadium with, shall we say, the same fear he might have had when he walked out the fight Floyd Mayweather. Hmm. Talk to me about size, uh, Steve. Will size come into this? I know that this isn't necessarily his normal division, Canelo. He stepped down to 154. Beefy's natural at the weight. Will size play a factor, do you think? No, I don't think so, because you know what? He's only dropping down a pound, yeah. Canelo. <laughs> you know, he had all these ridiculous catchweight fights at middleweight, uh, 155. So he's only really dropping a pound. Hey, he's still got to lose an extra pound, and he was tied at 155. But mm. it'd be interesting, well, where he won't have such an advantage, after the weigh-in, when he, when he just he turns into this, this sort of... Um, flame-haired monster and weighs about 175 pounds, 170 pounds, which is huge. Whereas people like Amir Khan and other rivals he's been fighting haven't bulked up to that. Liam will also be growing. I'm not saying he's going to that weight, but there won't be such a, a weight discrepancy on the night of what he's had with previous fighters when they actually step in the ring. So I think yeah, the, the weigh-in here is 3 o'clock local time on Friday. So I think it's about 31 hours, but 30 hours before they fight. You've been to some events in the past, Steve. I know that you uh, were out there previously with Liam while he was taking it all in at the original press conferences. What is that stadium like? Because it, it looks absolutely ginormous. I'll tell you what, I, 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 the best way to describe it, it makes Wembley Stadium look like Scotland at Rochdale. <laughs> I'm telling you, it is the most amazing stadium I've ever been in. When I came with Beefy on the press, for the press conference to do some filming, when we was on the way, he was saying, I'm happy the fight's happening. I'm, you know, if it's in Texas, great. I would have preferred Vegas. He walked onto that field and um, he just said, I'm glad it's here. It's got, it's got a Jumbotron screen, yeah. which is the biggest in the world. And I was fortunate enough to go to the Cowboys versus the Giants NFL game here on Sunday. And the atmosphere in that place with 92,000 in there was just incredible. It is, it is a magnificent stadium. Everywhere you go, there's food vendors, bars. It, the back of every stand, there's even an area where you can press in a little code and you can charge your phone for half an hour if the battery goes. <laughs> it, it, it's, got, it's got everything. The, the only thing you, know, you, you say about you know, which you know, maybe we, we, we don't identify in England, like a lot of American stadium, it is, stadia, it is in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So you can imagine the traffic, you know, even like the game finished at 6.30 local time here on Sunday night. But the actual, the traffic at quarter past eight 
was still gridlocked because everyone drives out there. You can't even walk around Arlington because it's just freeways. Steve, absolute pleasure to have you on the show, mate. Enjoy the Dallas sunshine. Don't think of us too much back here in the Manchester rain, my friend, and enjoy the weekend. I won't be thinking of you at all, Adam. <laughs> Next time with the Fight Disciples. On next week's programme, we of course will hopefully be celebrating the fantastic feat of uh, Liam Beefy Smith beating Canelo in the States. (laughs) And then the action doesn't stop. September is sensational. We've gone from Kel Brook and Golovkin into Liam Smith and Canelo. And then we're back home for Anthony Crawler against Jorge Linares. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.